started doing. As promised, a doubleheader this week. Uh, continuing our theme of sports documentaries. A couple of good ones that I'm going to talk about in this episode. What a difference a few days makes in the world of sports. So since I spoke to you last, um, the news has come through that next year the Premier League will be using uh, VAR. Uh, and also Claudio Ranieri, the new coach at Fulham. Um, a few other things obviously have happened. Uh, Joe Root won and scored 100 today or yesterday uh, against Sri Lanka to put England on top in that second test. Um, hopefully you guys have been following a bit of the NBA. Um, a few things have been going down there as well, a bit of dispute between teammates uh, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green um, so yeah <laughs> what a difference a couple of days makes in the world of sport but as promised uh, we're going to continue the theme of sports documentaries or continue on part two of the sports uh, documentaries if you like uh, now the ones I'm going to I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today um, so in the previous episode, I talked about The Last Chance You, the Netflix um, documentary series. And I also spoke to you about Tyson, the 2008 Tyson uh, documentary where he narrates it himself. Both are excellent, excellent um, documentaries. Uh, but today, I'm going to have a look at Senna. Uh, so Ayrton Senna. Uh, the Formula One driver and, and it was a great it was another great documentary uh, very well done um, and also <laughs> this one actually was tough to watch um, it's in the documentary about Lance Armstrong it's called The Armstrong Lie um, but, but yeah we're going to get into both of those in a bit um, well, we're going to still have shout-out of the week, although it will be the second one this week. A couple of honourable mentions, and I did have another festive latte, so <laughs> we're going to talk a bit about that at the end. All right, well, let's get cracking. Okay. So the Ayrton Senna documentary, um, I'll be honest, I really didn't know too much about the guy. Well, not in enough detail anyway. Um, so it was very interesting for me to watch, learn a lot of things um, and took away a lot of things from it. Uh, so for those of you who don't know too much about him, I won't you know, go on forever just commenting on what I watched. But um, so he's like... I think he's known as one of the best racing drivers um, in the F1 circuit. Like most pundits and most ex-drivers put him right up there uh, with some of the best to have uh, sat in a car, in a racing car. Um, uh, he, come, he came from a, a kind of well-off family. He's a Brazilian racing driver, came from a, a well-off family. Um, so it was a bit, bit different to like the last chance you and, and Tyson where these guys obviously come from uh, poorer backgrounds and really had to fight and struggle their way to the top. Um, so Senna was a bit different in that regards. 
but that doesn't mean that he was less driven, less determined. Um, he still had that hunger and desire to be the best no matter what. Um, and his mindset uh, was not really different to you know anybody from uh, the last chance you or any other guys that performed well in the in the last chance you documentary and Mike Tyson like the common theme again was that obviously nothing comes easy uh, no matter your talent level no matter how wealthy you might be or how well off you might be you know you need to put in that time and effort in order to be at the level that you desire um, and for these guys it was like right at the top um, especially like for Senna you know he he from what you what I gathered from the documentaries like he had this like hunger and um, kind of unrivaled desire to just want to win and he would he was just hell-bent on trying to be the best and beat who was ever in front of him like the great rivalry with his um, teammate at the time Alan Prost uh, that was a really really good part of the documentary um, even on the same team they both wanted to be the number one driver uh, both drove each other off the road <laughs> a couple of times as well which was obviously quite interesting to see like they were willing to go to those kind of limits uh, to establish themselves as ch the champion um, the other thing that kind of struck me about it uh, was that I mean, you know, a documentary is good when you kind of, you're kind of so invested in it and you're rooting for the guy. You know, you start to get angry at certain parts, or you feel like, even though you were you weren't there, um, but you just feel like uh, you want you want your guy to win, and you're 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 angry at the disadvantages that have come his way or the perceived cheating that was going on. Um, so at that time, um, the FIA, so that stands for the Federation Internationale Automobile um, so it's like the governing body of F1 uh, a bit like uh, the FA for the Premier League and FIFA for world football um, so yeah at that time it was uh, headed by a French guy and Senna's teammate Alain Prost was French as well um, so the documentary kind of hinted at the fact that there was a bit of um, cheating or uh, not cheating if there was a bit of like unfair bias towards Alain Prost because he was French and the guy that was at the top of the FIA was French as well so some of the decisions would go his way and uh, such things like that um, there's like a really good part where you know um, the guy at the top of the FIA kind of robbed center of his chance to win the second title um, in one of the races, basically, um, Senna went off the track and he used the escape road to rejoin, um, which is, it looked like the only thing that you can do, really, um, and disqualified from the race uh, because um, they said that he should have pretty much reversed the F1 car and carried on driving the normal um, racing track, which which was just ridiculous. Even if you don't know anything about the sport, when you watch it, um, you can see that that's just not possible. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of got my blood boiling. <laughs> I wasn't very happy with that that decision. So like I said, it, that's what made it probably a very good documentary as well. Because you're when you're invested in it for that hour and forty five minutes, you know it's it's, it's got to be good. Um, the other thing that kind of struck me about it was how important 
um, Senna was to the country of Brazil. Um, now, I mean, there were some incredible scenes at the end of the documentary. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but just like what he did and the way he spoke about uh, Brazil, how he wanted to help the people of Brazil. And I'm sure you get this with loads of um, great uh, athletes and sports stars, you know, um, one that comes to mind straight away, LeBron James, obviously with what he's done in his hometown. Um, so Senna was kind of on those similar lines, um, very wealthy, obviously, and gave that wealth out to kids struggling in in Brazil uh, and in the area he grew up in. Um, and such things like that, but it was it was quite it was some incredible scenes, um, and the love that Brazil had for him was pretty pretty amazing. Um, now, spoiler alert, just in case you haven't seen or you don't know anything about it. So, Senna Senna died at the age of thirty four um, during a Grand Prix, um, and. It was quite interesting to watch because like the issue surrounding his death um the way it unfolded was was like i didn't really know too much about it in detail obviously i knew that he'd passed away or he died on the racing track but i didn't know what like happened like the lead up to it and such things like that so the first thing that you will find out when you watch the documentary um is that there was not warning signs but it was just like that weekend was horrific because uh, there's another driver um his name is roland ratzenberger i hope i've said that right um, and he died uh during qualification of that grand prix so during the qualifying of the grand prix he died after a horrific crash um rubens barrichello i'm sure some of you have heard of the name he also had a horrific crash it was like he literally flew in the air in his car during Friday practice. So that that all of those all these things kind of happened in the same weekend. So there were like signs that I, I don't know, man. I don't know if people. I don't know if you guys it you like read signs, or whatever, or you try to infer things from situations that have happened in the past. <clears throat> but like when I'm when I was watching it, I was like, oh man. So all of this stuff was going on. Someone had already died then like someone had a horrific crash and then someone had died during qualifying like how, that must have been tough to even go out there on race day and and decide to carry on and what the documentary does show pretty well was um how visibly ups, upset senna was um uh, after he'd obviously found out about the death of a of a fellow racing driver um and the doctor the f1 doctor at the time who was a good friend of senna's um, he, he he recalls in the documentary how Senna was crying on his shoulders after qualifying on Saturday. So he was like very, very upset, obviously, after what had happened. Um, and I was just I was just still like when I was watching it, I was like, I still couldn't believe to an extent that like these guys had gone out and decided to race um, after these two like major incidents had happened, like. I thought it'd either be called off or, you know, they'd, they'd decide that they didn't want to race. They weren't in the right frame of mind or, or what have you. But, I mean, these guys are at the top of their game, I guess. They know the consequences when they step into the car. They know, like, what could potentially happen. 
Um, they probably already made peace with that a long time ago, and I guess they're just they're obviously very very um, driven, and their mindset would be on just getting in the car and going out there and doing the best that they can, um, regardless of what happened. And in, in some instances, they probably want to do it for the guys or that like Rubens Barrichello that had the crash and uh, Roland Ratzenberger who who passed. They probably wanted to go out there and do it for them. Uh, I think there was a bit in the documentary as well uh, where one of the guys I think he was like a an F1 reporter at the time can't remember his name off the top of my head he said that Senna promised if he won he would hold up an I think it was an Austrian flag uh, which was the country that Roland Ratzenberger was from uh, you know to pay respect uh, to the guy after he'd passed away during qualifying <clears throat> so that's kind of that kind of gives you an insight into the mindset of these professional athletes which is which is pretty incredible, um, if you think about it. I mean, that would have been a tough situation to be in, and even to like decide what you want to do after you've like watched one of your fellow competitors die on the racing track. This, that must have been difficult. The race went ahead as normal on the Sunday, I believe it was. Um, you know, all of the drivers got into their cars and. Um, the race started as normal, etc., um, etc. Et All of the like kind of normalities of race day, um, and then like the crash itself, um, Senna's crash that killed him. Um, when you watch it, it doesn't like. It's not like a, a crash. It, if you compare it to what happened to Rubens Barrichello on on the Friday practice, like Rubens Barrichello's car went flying in the air and smashed into like the, f the fence and the barriers um, and it just looked crazy and there's like other crashes I've seen where the cars like flip over, they're on fire, all of this stuff. Um, now Senna's crash wasn't anything like that, he just kind of went into the barrier at obviously a, a, an incredible speed but when you compare it to other crashes it doesn't, didn't look so so bad to be honest. Um, but then obviously it was it, it was a fatal crash and that Again, one of the commentators, I think it was, or someone else that was involved with the documentary, actually said that it's an unusual place for um, a racing driver of his uh, caliber, of his quality, to go off and, and make a mistake. Um, so they obviously they came to the theory that there was uh, an issue with the car um, and such things like that. But I mean, when you watch the when you watch the footage, they do like this close up, and you see him. After the crash, you see Senna like move his head slightly, um, so you're like you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe this isn't where it happens, or if you don't know that it happened, you're thinking, okay, he's alright. Um, but then that was that was the last time he basically moved his head, and then the F1 uh, doctor kind of said that when he went over to inspect the scene, he knew that um, it was a fatal incident, um, even though. They tried to do everything that they could. They airlifted him out of there, took him to hospital, and he wasn't declared dead officially. Um, I think it was maybe four or five hours after the actual incident occurred. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of br brutal scenes uh, to watch, um, especially after you go through like the journey with him, about his life, about where he's come from, the kind of person that uh, he was. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh man, it was quite <laughs> crazy to see that happen to him. Um, but then I think what was really 
uh, heartwarming, if you like, if that's the right word, was uh, when he went when they took his um, coffin back to Brazil. Just like it was some crazy, crazy scenes. Like so, so many people, so many people had um, lined the streets and come out to pay their respects and and whatnot to this great man. Um, it was a bit like. Uh, similar to, not the same as I don't think, but similar to um, when Princess Diana, the, that whole her whole funeral, um, and those that that type of crowds, that was what it looked like in the documentary. Um, but yeah, f for me, it was probably one of the best ones I've seen. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, I reckon it's better than Tyson and, and The Last Chance to You just because of um, the, the tragic ending. You know, it just adds a bit more emotion to it. Um, you feel a bit more when you watch it. Uh, you wish you knew more about the guy or you wish he was around still um, to see what he could have developed into. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it beats the other two in that respect. Um, but like I said, man, Christmas is coming around the corner. So when you're watching stuff or thinking of things to watch, maybe you've, you've like burnt out of watching Christmas films or Christmas related shows and you just want a change of scene. This is where you're going to go to. <laughs> uh, it is great. It's a good documentary. A very, very good documentary. Whew. Okay. <laughs> the other one I, I have seen previously um well there's a few actually other other good ones that you might want to have a look at more than a game um which is about uh, lebron james all his like coming up from where he was um his high school basketball team uh, st vincent st mary's it's not just about him by the way they, they do a lot of um uh, gives you a lot of information or the document the, the documentary is kind of uh, geared towards the whole team so the, the five guys that were part of the team it's not just about LeBron. Obviously, he takes um, a lot of the focus, but it's not just about him. It's about the team, about the coach, um, about the people in their lives um, and things like that. So that's another good documentary to watch. Um, the, other, the other one that we're going to have a little chat about as well right now. Uh, so it's called The Armstrong Lie. It's based on Lance Armstrong, if the title didn't give it away. Um Lance Armstrong probably like the big, the biggest fraud in in the sports universe to date, or that I know of. Um, can't really swear on the show, but if I could, I'd probably use a few words to describe him. Um, <laughs> man, this one just gets you angry if you watch it and you just see what this guy did and like the way he went about his business. You just, oh man, you'd be furious. You'd be so furious. Ah oh, man, it's crazy. But yeah, so it's all about how you know he lived this lie about not not being a cheat, um, not taking drugs, not taking EPO, not taking any steroids, not taking any testosterone, no um, uh, growth hormones, nothing like that. Um, and uh, so the docu the guy that made the documentary basically was following him during his comeback in two thousand and nine. Um, so he gets a lot of behind the scenes footage gets a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with um the fraud um he gets a it's a lot of lot of really good footage because he's basically following him around um uh i think it's like he's following him around during his um 
during the three-month build-up to the Tour de France and then the Tour de France itself. Um, and this is before, like, all all the kind of um, news broke and he was taken to court and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so what's, what's quite interesting about it is that when it did break, the guy that made the documentary, can't think of his name off the top of my head, went back to Lance and basically said, look, you owe me uh, first an apology and then you owe me some one-on-one time to explain to me why uh, you did what you did. And he got that one-on-one time and it's it's really, really, really well done. Um, and again, it's, it's right up there. Probably not as good as Senna, probably in second place, I'd say. Um, but it's fantastic. I mean, to... To see like the type of person that this fraud Lance Armstrong is, um, to to witness the lives that he kind of destroyed in his in his path, um, man, it's incredible to think that for those many years you can get away with cheating like that. Now, what what I would say is that after I watched this, this is a while ago, quite a long time ago, um, I did do a bit of research, and you know, it came to like that the cheating wasn't necessarily just him like a, most of the guys did it um most of the guys doped blood dope most of the guys uh did the whole epo thing they took steroids and all of that kind of stuff um so when i watched it again i watched it for the second time after i'd done a bit more research found out that this was like a common theme within um cycling you kind of if you if you get rid of the fact that he cheated um and he doped and all of that and you just look at the documentary without that in mind you still see the the kind of manipulative guy he is um the way he he like went about bullying people um there's there's so many instances where he like flat out denies cheating um which obviously he has to but just the way he does it i can't i can't describe it in words you have to watch him so convincing it's incredible like he's just so forceful and there's a couple of um, journalists that ask him a couple of questions and he snaps back at them real quick with some quick fire responses as if like he already well he did he already had it ready in, in his head that this is what I'm going to say if you say this about me I'm, I'm going to come back at you hard um, and that's what makes him so convincing and they, they allude to the fact in the documentary that he's a fantastic storyteller um, and there's nothing that this guy won't do to win um, which is again it's quite it's quite a good documentary because if you try and like flip it on its head so if you take all your personal feelings and all your like emotion out of it and you think about it from a different kind of viewpoint um, he's quite an incredible guy to have gone that long cheating and lying and to have influenced that many people and to have that type of power um, and to be able to like continuously lie through his teeth um and just bully people into doing things his own way it's kind of like a dictatorship in a way uh he was like the guy that ruled the cycling circuit wherever he said will go he he um he as well had a relationship with uh the head of the governing body as well so there's hints in the documentary that they were both uh colluding together to lie to all the fans and everything um so yes, yeah, if you think about it in that in that respect, it's it's quite impressive what he did. <laughs> Not gonna lie, it's just, um, it's very very impressive. Another thing that kind of got to me was the fact that you know he's a he's a cancer survivor and he used that 
as like, um, I don't want to say marketing tool, but I guess it is, um, to build up his reputation. And when he was winning, you know, <clears throat> he made the Live Strong Foundation. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> and um, he obviously always, always used to sp speak about being a cancer survivor and how he's been able to win um, all these Tour de France's after coming back from that. Um, and I just like wondered if there's like any of you guys out there that you know know people who are big cycling fans or just cycling fans and cancer survivors how they felt about it because um, he he built that live strong foundation off you know his his wins and his lies if you like and I think he's still going today without him but that's kind of his legacy at the end of the day you can't really take that away the yellow and and black the you know the wristbands the live strong wristbands all of that kind of stuff. They were pretty iconic, even some of the um, ads that Nike put out there with him in it, uh, they were pretty iconic and to find out what he did afterwards is, I don't know how you guys would, how you guys feel about it, if, if you do know anyone or if you are someone, let us know, um, it'd be interesting, it'd be interesting. The The best thing about this, this documentary though is, is like I said previously, I mean if you take all your kind of feelings or emotion out of it and if you just look at it objectively he he is a cheat he is a fraud um, but what he was doing everyone else was also doing and this is said by many people in the documentary many many people have said this um, so maybe it's not necessarily the fact that he cheated maybe it's the way that he went about it like I said the way he abused the power that he had um, but then at the end of the day doesn't that make him you know, willing to do anything to win. Isn't that what most athletes are about? Most sports people are about. You know, they'll they'll push that that line and they'll cross it at many times in order to win. So yeah, it's it's quite interesting because there's so many different viewpoints that you can take. There's so many little things that you can take out of it. Even now, like what's what's going on in his life now? Is he really even paid for what he's done? You know, I think he's engaged to some like 23-year-old or something like that. And this guy's like 47 or something. So, um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think she's 23, but she looks pretty young from the picture I saw. Um, but, yeah, like he even went on Oprah after. He went on he went on the Oprah Winfrey show, um, confessed pretty much about everything that he'd done, all the cheating that was taking place. I mean, it's, has he really even suffered for what he's done? That's another question that you could ask. This... Yeah, this documentary is, is impressive because of the questions it, it makes you ask yourself. It makes you think about... Um, the story's not complete yet either. I'm sure he's going to be back somewhere sooner or later. Because it's, you know... He sounds, <coughs> he sounds like the type of guy... <coughs> sorry, something in my throat. Um, yeah, he sounds like the type of guy that just can't let things go. And he just has to, he has to be there. He has to be in that limelight, a bit of an attention seeker wanting to be at the top always um, which is what a lot of them said actually I mean he'd won those those seven Tour de France's and I don't think it, uh, he said it himself actually that if he didn't make the comeback in 2009 none of this would have ever surfaced he'd still be known as the guy that's won all these Tour de France's you know there wouldn't be too much um, speculation surrounding him it's the fact that he decided to come back and that's when he obviously got caught um, that was kind of his downfall um, but yeah, it's another fantastic documentary, not too long, I don't think, uh, a couple of, two hours I think it is, 
Um, it's called the Armstrong Lie. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, and if you do, let us know, man. Let us know what you think, what your takeaway is from it. Impressive in in the sense that, you know, he was able to rule as long as he did and have so much influence and power. But obviously, quite hard to watch if you get angry easily. <laughs> Because it will make you like want to throw something at the TV. Um, okay, whoo, man, that's it. Those were the two that I really wanted to talk about. Um, and yeah, man, definitely check them out. I think in order of best, um, I'd say the f the best one to watch was probably the center one, just because it's got a bit of everything in it. And then next is definitely the Armstrong Lie. Probably watch it with someone, then you guys can have a little discussion about it. You know, I was I was wanting to do that, but I was just jamming on my own at the time. Um, then I would say Tyson would be the third one, and then the last chance you probably more because it's like it's a series, so there's a lot of episodes to go through. It's not just a one-time thing. Um, but yeah, all really good, all really interesting. All right, when we come back, as promised, uh, we're going to have a little bit of shout-out of the week and a couple of honourable mentions. Okay, <laughs> something a bit more fun instead of talking about that fraudster. Um, shout-out of the week, the second shout-out of the week this week is going to go uh, to the living legend, the king himself, LeBron James, who on Wednesday, not only did he score 44 points in a win against, I think it's the second best or the third best team in the NBA, the Portland Trail Blazers, he is now the fifth all-time leading scorer in the NBA, which is an incredible feat for a guy that's mostly renowned for his passing. Um, to be a, a f the fifth all-time scorer is pretty impressive. Check out the highlights if you can. Um, it's only like seven minutes or eight minutes, something like that. Everything's on YouTube. Um, just type in NBA highlights. Look for the LA Lakers versus the Portland Trailblazers. And just watch a little bit of this guy do his thing. Make that magic happen. He's in his 16th year as well, which is crazy because most of the other guys... That came into the league as, as as at the same time as him are either in like uh, bench roles if you like, or have retired or are out the game. And this guy is still still at the top. What an incredible human being, LeBron James! What an athlete LeBron James is. And it's definitely an honor to be able to watch him and learn so much about the guy. You know, spectacular, spectacular person. All right. Some honourable mentions. Honourable mention. mention. Alright, so the first honourable honourable mention. Um, that's going to go to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, who played the Green Bay Packers. Thursday night football. American football. In the NFL. Big time game. Involved some big-time players, most notably um, the two running backs for the Seahawks, uh, Rashad Penny, who's in his first season, and another guy called Chris Carson, who 
absolutely ran riot, literally ran riot. Um, and also Russell Wilson, who had a bit of a shaky start, uh, came back to hit a few touchdowns towards the end of that game. So honorable mention to those guys, the Seattle Seahawks uh, picked up a big win. Uh, like I mentioned a bit earlier, also honorable mention to Joe Root, who scored 100 against Sri Lanka in the second test, giving his team a chance, a good chance of winning it. Um, so honorable mention for that guy. And lastly, the women's Indian cricket team who have made it to the semi-finals of the T20 tournament that has been held in the West Indies. I uh, hope you guys have been watching some of that because it's been some good cricket, some good cricket. I think the BBC have done a pretty good job on their website of showing you a few clips here and there. So whenever you get the chance, make sure you just have a quick look. Rightio, the last part of the episode as always, the miscellaneous, the randomness section of the show, the stuff part. Uh, we're going to have a look at another festive co coffee if I can actually get my words out. Um, all right. Right, so this coffee I had today, this latte I had today from Costa Coffee, um, hazelnut and praline. Praline, yes, praline, not praline, praline. Hazelnut and praline coffee, which was very tasty, I'm not gonna lie, much better than the previous one. Uh, which was the <laughs> caramelized orange. Um, yeah, much, much better. Good taste, bit of sweetness in there. Definitely can taste the hazelnut. Very impressed with that one. Um, that's one too many coffees for this week also, which shouldn't really be happening, but never mind, never mind. Um, next week, I think I might move to Starbucks. Those two, those last two were from Costa, so see what Starbucks is saying. Um, there are rumors that when you get the, uh, I think it's the gingerbread one, the gingerbread latte, they give you a little gingerbread man as well. So we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but I'll keep you guys informed. Okay, well that will do it for this episode. Um, man, it's been a good one. It's been a good one. Let's definitely check out those documentaries. Uh, make sure over this festive period you sit down and watch at least one of them they're definitely definitely worth the watch and if you're disappointed or do not like them then obviously give me a shout let me know why what were you expecting were you even watching it who knows uh, <laughs> all right guys i will be speaking to you again from next tuesday so until then i hope you guys enjoy your weekend stay warm Try a festive latte. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, take care, guys.